you're making a half hour of unusable material already. Well, at least 15 minutes of it was talking about Annihilation. I'm sure there's some clips in there you can pull. It's too intellectual for us, Danielle. We can't have anything that actually like coherent of a discussion for an opening. Sometimes we sound smart. Yeah, Danielle, but who are we fooling? <laughs> Hilariously, we're both very intelligent people, yet somehow... <laughs> <laughs> no one would guess if we're listening to our podcast. <laughs> I think we sound relatable and intelligent, not just intelligent. I think uh, whatever relatability we had just out the window with that very <laughs> self-complimentary comment. <laughs> you don't put things like that on the podcast, Sam. Jeez. Uh, uh, too late. Oh, no. <laughs> My hands are tied. <laughs> They're not. You edit it. <laughs> I don't think that's true. <laughs> I think I'm merely a vessel through which the editing happens. <laughs> yes. You're like taken over by the editing gods. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Book Retorts. I'm Sam. I'm Danielle. And this is the podcast about sharing your weird holiday media finds with your friends because we're in the winter bazaar. Yay, winter. Winter. It is cold in the Northern Hemisphere and we plan to celebrate that with our usual weirdness. Yes, it is chilly. Well, thanks for the and contribution, weird. Danielle. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Perfect. Cut. Print. We're done. <laughs> I was thinking that it wasn't that cold, but it's a little cold. It's supposed to be colder. You can play along. They don't know. (laughs) Oh, fine. It's tropical. (laughs) Who cares? Anyway, if this is part two of our great switcheroo, the second part, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. where Danielle and I have suggested media pieces for the other two perform. Last time, Danielle did the excellent, excellent movie. Remember what it was called? Next stop, Magic Train. Next stop. Christmas? There you go. Yeah, I was, gonna, I was wondering if you're going to call it the Magic Train or not. I'm just trying to see. It's called Magic Train. Magic Train. This week, I have the great privilege of doing the ABC Family movie, actually. It wasn't Hallmark or Lifetime, which surprised me. Holiday in Handcuffs, starring Melissa Joan Hart and Mario Lopez. What a combination. Right? I am... Oof. We're going to get into it. <laughs> it's not Sam's normal type of movie. Honestly, it might be. (laughs) Anyway, to kick off, Danielle, I'm going to give you the summary you gave me. So here you go. A struggling artist, Melissa Joan Hart, working as a waitress, kidnaps one of her customers, Mario Lopez, to take home to meet her parents at Christmas time. What a crazy plot. Read your tagline. She's bringing home the perfect boyfriend, even if it's a federal offense. And like most of our summaries, that describes the plot of the movie, but... The fact that she was an artist escaped me for the vast majority of this movie. It is not You just thought she was working as a waitress? It kind of doesn't get into her, like, oh, I'll get into it. But the way (laughs) we understand these characters' backstory is glacial, maybe, is a good word to put it. Like, I didn't even know her name for the first third of the movie. (laughs) Melissa Joan Hart, obviously. Well, yeah. I just wrote MJH in all of my notes because I just did not bother to remember her name was, like, Gertrude or something, which... (laughs) Why would I remember Gert? They call her Trudy, but still, come on. That's mean. <laughs> All right. What happens with uh, Gertrude, Trudy, Melissa Joner? All right. So just a reminder, this is a 2007 movie. Cell phones do play a large part in it, which is Impressive. great, I guess. 
Yeah. Good job. Good job, 2007 movie. <laughs> so we open with the most low effort title screen I think I've seen in a long time. <laughs> it just has like a cursive font that says ABC Family and then fades out and fades in Holiday in Handcuffs. And then we see a car drive by on the screen after as it fades back in. So They had to use their budget on getting Liz Joan Hart and Mario Lopez. Yeah, I'm sure in 2007 they were like super hard to book. <laughs> no offense. They both, I think, do a... I don't know. I don't know if it's like the best I've ever seen them, but I'll get into it. This movie does some very weird things with characters. I think all the actors are doing a great job. I'm just not sure I understand what everyone is doing or why. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Looking forward. I mean, that's more a writing and directing issue than it is an acting issue, I think. Anyway, so we fade in. There's a car driving past at night in the snow. In the car is our star, of course, Melissa Joan Hart. Mm-hmm. And we hear her narration. She'll narrate frequently throughout the first... 20 minutes of this movie and then never again until the very end. <laughs> okay. She says, I'm not crazy. I'm a long way from crazy. Doing one crazy thing doesn't make a person crazy. And me thinks the lady doth protest too much. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, you know, the movie's already setting up and she's giving off this like quirky vibe. Like that's like her whole character is like, everyone in this movie is so sarcastic. It's weird. Well, given that she apparently kidnapped someone. I yeah. Mean, she's like... <laughs> It's a questionable statement to begin well, the movie with. Here is the exact example of what we're talking about. She pulls up alongside Mario Lopez, who's walking in the snow. She introduces him in the narration as David Martin. He will mm-hmm. be named, known as Mario through the rest of my notes. <laughs> she rolls down the window and yells, You've been walking for what? An hour? I've gone exactly 1.8 miles, and the nearest gas station is 20 miles away. You do the math. And, like, she kidnapped this man and is being all, like, you know, flippant with him. So uh, it's like the tone is jarring. <laughs> so, uh, Mr. Martin, Mr. Mario, is doing his best to ignore her as she cajoles him to come back to the house to get some hot chocolate. And she so stops this the car. This is like in media rest, and we're going to do some backtracking, correct? Oh, 100%. Unnecessarily, okay. too. But here we are. But she stops the car, and he finally gets in and looks absolutely pissed. Uh, she cajoles him some more about how, like, what, is your face frozen? You got nothing to say? And, like, you kidnap this man why are you treating him like a petulant child i don't know (laughs) she obviously doesn't feel bad for kidnapping him yeah it's weird so he finally sees that her that she's the devil which she takes in stride and drives off so like that's our introduction to their character dynamic i think that's a match made in heaven you and this movie so we cut to 18 hours earlier on december 23rd an alarm goes off waking melissa up and the narration continues about how her life isn't going great. It's the same day, just like every other day, and it all sucks. She's doing her morning routine, she puts a bunch of curlers in her hair, and she's making breakfast of leftover Chinese food using a hair dryer, which, you know, doesn't sound that bad, honestly. She's using a hair dryer to heat up her leftover Chinese, Chinese food. food? That seems dangerous. Does she Why? not have a microwave? She's just like pointed at the container. What's wrong with that? Well, I mean, uh, well rice notoriously. Can no, this make is you- like low main or something. <laughs> Still, it should probably be heated up correctly. <laughs> it's leftovers. It's only been cooked once. It's probably fine. I mean, I'm not judging her. I had Chinese for breakfast. <laughs> All right, Danielle. So you realize this movie is pathetic as Melissa's in this movie. So. I don't know. I really enjoyed the Chinese food. I don't know if that's right. pathetic. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like The movie is trying to make out like really pathetic. But so far, all we've seen is she has her own place. She has enough time to do her like makeup. And she has leftover Chinese food for breakfast. Sounds and like she she's has enough money to buy Chinese food if she wants it. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, no problem. So she gets a call from her mom. 
Her parents have arrived at a rental cabin, which they're going to have a room for the holidays, and want to make sure she's still bringing Nick, which Melissa is. They're excited to meet her new boyfriend and hope he could be the one. But MJH has to go since she has an interview. But then she asks the mom to not give her any more pink sweaters this year. Her mom is like, no, you look so good in pink. And insists on giving her like pink sweaters, pink dresses, all like woolen and knit. And they look terrible. This seems like a conversation you should have had before the 23rd of December. I think that... Melissa knows her mother would disregard her regardless. So she has an interview on the 23rd? Yeah. Wow. So then her mom puts her dad on the phone, and apparently he's the one who arranged the interview, like, through his connections. So he gives her some terrible advice, which is, can you guess what the terrible work advice he gives her is? Um. About the interview? About, specifically about the interview? Yeah, like, you go in the interview, you know, this is the kind of advice you get from someone who doesn't know anything about how interviews work. I, I don't know. <laughs> Never take no for an answer and do not leave that office until the job is yours. Uh, that's not a great idea. <laughs> no. Like, do you understand how interviews work, dude? <laughs> that's, that's white privilege talking. <laughs> so Melissa finally gets off the phone, but realized she missed the timer on her hair. Guy? Oh, no. Curls? I don't know what she's doing to her hair. It's like under a bonnet. So who knows? Oh, okay. Anyway, we cut to her in traffic. She backs up a little at a guy in the oncoming lane, make a left turn, which he does, and is immediately hit by another car driving past Melissa Joan Hart. Oh, no. So the guy that gets hit, for some reason, is ticked at Melissa. She, he, like, yells at her through the car and, like, what? Why it is wasn't it wasn't her fault, right? Yeah. It's weird. <laughs> and she's narrated this whole scene because narration's still going on. But, again, the, the people are, are robots. He's, he's mad at her because someone else hit him when she was kind enough to let him through. And he didn't look to see if there's any other cars coming through the oncoming traffic. And did her hair get messed up because she missed her timer? She's wearing a hat. I do not know. I want to say yes. <laughs> Your hair is definitely messed up, but they like, try to save it as a big reveal later. And it is not a payoff. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we cut to Melissa walking into the interview. And the receptionist says she's late and can no longer be seen. And Melissa's like, you don't understand. My parents are his neighbors and it's very important. Which is I not endearing me to her. car accident. <laughs> it doesn't matter. The receptionist is very dismissive and says, too bad. He's with the next interview right now. And, and they look over and see him talking to someone else in the office. And so what do you think Melissa does as the sane, rational person she is? She won't take no for an answer and refuses to leave until the job is hers. Almost exactly. <laughs> Only much crazier. She dashes past the receptionist, starts banging on the window, going, It's me, little pooty from the corner. No. <laughs> and she's like, I'm trying to like you know, say, Hey, I am sorry I'm late, but this interview is really important. I think you'll really see that I'm the, I'm a great person to hire. And the dude just closes the blinds on her and she collapses on the floor lamenting, but things are finally turning around for me. Is she just late because she's late or because of the car accident? Don't know, Danielle. I I think the movie's trying to make her seem to be the cause of her own misfortune, but that car accident could not have helped. No. I'm just I would have used that as an excuse for being late. If you're yep. going to be late already. <laughs> nope. She decides to go with Miss, I'm Little Pooty from the corner, which is a, a, a moniker that never comes up again. <laughs> so I'm not sure why she thought that would be helpful here. It's a choice. Cut to a restaurant where Melissa's friend Tracy works as a server. And I guess she's also a server there, but that is also unclear until much later. And she laments how bad the interview went. She finally reveals that her hair was made frizzy because she left in the curlers too long. It's like a perm almost. And she's wearing a knit pink dress her mom gave her, even though she hates it. Why was she wearing it then? Because she needs to grow a spine and stop being bulldozed by her mother and her parents. Why is she wearing it when she's not even... Is she going home that day? Yes. I think oh, she's supposed okay. to be like six o'clock sharp for cocktails at the cabin. But as we'll see, that doesn't make any sense <laughs> anyway. Okay. 
Melissa also apparently works there. She puts on an apron and then she complains that her parents will be all up on her case because she didn't get the job. And they went to the cabin to make this a special Christmas. And all she has left is the fact that at least she's bringing Nick, which her friend Lucy says seems a little fast. Like, you're bringing him already? How long have they been dating? Do we know yet? I don't know. Nope. We don't know. <laughs> Do you ever find out? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Lucy doesn't like Nick because he's an elitist who was born into wealth and success. And Melissa's like, so? I could use some wealth and success, basically. And honestly, good for her. Like, capitalism is a plague, but if you found a way to cheat the system by finding someone you really like, I mean, it's not his fault that he is born to a privileged class. Maybe he's a really good guy. Is she, is her family wealthy? She's not wealthy? Absolutely. They are. So she doesn't seem above, like, using her family connections to get a better career. Well, I think her family wanted her to do that more than she did. So it's, like, under duress that she was going to go to this interview? Yeah, pretty much. Her father... But then she uh, throws herself at the interviewer? We'll get to this. I think it's all, like, (laughs) your standard, never good enough for the parents. They're pushing her to do these things that she doesn't really want to do, but she wants to do it to make her parents happy kind of thing. Because she wants to be an artist, but we don't know that yet. Yeah, exactly. We don't learn that for another, like, hour. That seems like something you should establish up front so that all the rest of this makes sense. <laughs> that, again, this is what I'm talking about this movie, Danielle. <laughs> the characters at this point are completely unlikable because I know nothing about them. She just seems like a mess who has very privileged connections and is just like, no, nah, it doesn't matter to me what happens. It's fine. And she's dating this other privileged guy who's, who, for all we know, is a super nice guy that Lucy hates just because he's privileged. Got it. Which I'm not saying he is not a jerk, which we find out almost immediately, so not a spoiler, but like... Well, I'm assuming since she ended up uh, deciding to kidnap Mario, that Nick was not going to go along. Yeah, again, all the characters are very judgy and weird in the beginning, and I don't like anyone in this movie <laughs> for like the first hour, hour which of a 90-minute movie. <laughs> so it's only an hour and a half long, probably. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So some choices were made in the writing for this. Very weird. But I will say, the actors are very charming. Like, most of your heart... Charming. Mario Lopez does a good job of being, like, sarcastic and, and caustic, but still charming. Like, <laughs> it's great. I, I I really enjoyed watching the character. I just didn't understand why no one was doing anything or saying anything that they were doing. <laughs> Always fun. But I had fun doing it. Anyway, so we cut to later. Nick shows up at her job, and the first thing he says is, I thought you were going to quit this heinous job. Uh-huh. Which, you know, all right, now we know he's a jerk. Good job, movie. Well, was Nick Very planning to pay for her rent? Like, how is, how is yeah. she going to survive? <laughs> he does not care about that. He's too privileged. He then backs out of meeting with her parents, saying that meeting them is a level he doesn't think they're at yet and doesn't think they're ever going to get there, actually. That really feels like a conversation that should have happened before the day you were going to leave. Well, she says, like, why did you say this earlier? And he's like, well, I only said I would because... You know, you wanted to hear that and we hadn't had sex yet. So (laughs) a real winner there. (laughs) Unfortunately, nothing bad happens to Nick in this movie. So that is unfortunate. He exits the movie here and there is no karmic justice, which is unfortunate. I really did not. I wanted more like Nick suffering. Maybe off screen. We can only hope he's hit by a bus immediately upon leaving the restaurant. (laughs) Visited by three ghosts at Christmas. (laughs) And they're like, you suck. That's all they say, each of them. And then you're like, well, I guess I suck. (laughs) So then Mario shows up. He pulls an engagement ring out of his pocket as he gets a table. And Melissa waits on him, but is clearly having like a dissociative episode because she's not paying attention to anything that's going on. I'm worried about her. You should be. <laughs> her mom then calls her at work and berates her like, you haven't left yet? We said you had to be here at six o'clock sharp for cocktails. I'm like, wait a minute. 
She's working a job. Like, did she not tell you she had a, like a work schedule thing? You think she just quit to come to you for cocktail hour? Well, and she knew she was working. So did she not tell them she couldn't be there by six? What was I, the plan? <laughs> I don't – that that was my question. Either Melissa should have taken like the day off or whatever so she could have gone to the cabin or maybe her parents thought she'd get the interview, get the job and then – quit immediately her, her waitressing thing, but she didn't, like, do that, so she kept... I don't know. Again, none of this makes any sense to me. I'm so confused. I'm confused why she answered her phone during work. I would just ignore it. <laughs> yeah. Nope. She, she answered it, and her mother is a jerk to her, so everyone in this movie sucks. Right. If you have that kind of relationship with your family and they're calling, I just wouldn't answer. You and me both, but, you know. What, I'm not, we're not Melissa here. We're not as brow-beaten as she is, I suppose. I guess so. So Melissa says, nope, we're leaving now, hangs up, and then accosts Mario on his way to the bathroom, telling him, you're coming with me. You're not going to the bathroom, you're coming with me. Why didn't you let him pee first? I'd let him pee first. If you're going to kidnap somebody, let him pee. <laughs> Interestingly, <laughs> the fact that he doesn't get a chance to pee never comes up in the movie again. <laughs> that Apparently, it was just a performative pee. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, as someone with a bladder the size of a walnut, knows that when you gotta pee, you gotta pee. I would just, I mean, I'm really good at holding my pee, but I, if I were gonna kidnap somebody and they were heading to the bathroom, I would let them head to the bathroom first so you that then didn't have to, like, watch them go to the bathroom later. It gets weird. It gets so weird. <laughs> so Mars like, no, I, I will not be going with you. I'm meeting my my girlfriend here. And then, ugh, Melissa gonna pulls out. too, apparently, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's his plan. So Melissa then pulls out a, like, flintlock pistol which why, is this, why yeah so this was i didn't write this down in my notes because i thought it wasn't important but there is a flintlock pistol in this diner like as part of the decor okay and so she pulls it out and pulls it on him and she's is it just like, on the wall she's it's like, like it's a display case on a counter or something it doesn't it doesn't have bullets in it this was my question because flintlock pistols are not very reliable especially ones from like the 1800s or whatever like she says like, why would it be ever be loaded just sitting there in a case right <laughs> If I was Mario, I'd be like, I am not impressed by this antique that is almost certainly not dangerous. Like, you have to, like, have the, you have to pack the powder, you gotta do the whole thing. But he goes with her anyway. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> and in the parking lot, he's about to, like, spin around and attack her to, like, get away. But he slips on the ice and knocks himself out cold. <laughs> well, that's his own problem. Right. So, like, that's how he gets kidnapped is he, he, he humors her with the flintlock pistol, tries to do some crazy escape, and knocks himself out. So, good that's job. That's the only way that was going to work, so. Right. I mean, it's very contrived, but, like, fine. His soon-to-be fiance also shows up, walking to the restaurant and looking confused. She's rude to the friend Tracy, like, hey, I'm looking for my boyfriend. Have you seen him here? And her friend says, Oh, no, maybe that's his way of dumping you. Like, she's extremely rude back, which does not seem like something a, a server would get away with, unfortunately. <laughs> and also disproportionate. Like, yeah, the fiancé was a bit rude to her, but she wasn't, like, attacking her or being a complete jerk. So, I don't know. Again, everyone seems to go from zero to a hundred immediately in this movie. And I feel like there's... They couldn't have made the fiancé, like, or potential fiancé a nice person. Otherwise, that would have just right. thrown off the entire dynamic of the movie. Every one of these movies, the partner that the other person is leaving always has to be the heel so that you don't feel bad about them getting broken up with. Yeah, with except the that one exception, movie uh, we yeah, did. <laughs> yeah, with the exception of Christmas Bounty, where the boyfriend was way better than anyone else in the movie, and, like, I would marry him. Or uh, was it Serendipity, where the yes. all the characters were actually pretty nice? <laughs> For such a common trope about having to make the partner a jerk to, to make the breakup 
palatable. We have a lot of movies where that's simply not the case. <laughs> yeah, but there's way, 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 way more where that is the case. That's why it's a trope. Yeah, it's just kind of like, why even not like why even set it up to be that trope if you're not going to follow through? Like, if you're going to make them dump their partner and like kind of make the feel good ending, why not make their partner a jerk? Yeah. If you're going to be a cliche, just do it. Don't like half a cliche. <laughs> I don't know. It's always kind of refreshing when they actually have to cho- choose between two nice people. But they don't. Like, that's the point. Like, in Chris Bouch, you're just like, no, this is definitely going to work. And it's like, oh, okay. He's like, sounds good to me. And everyone's fine with it. Like, there's no actual emotional fallout. I think there is in Serendipity, but I no longer remember that movie. Or what was it? Um, Sleep is in Seattle? Where her perfectly nice yeah, boyfriend. Yeah, where Bill Pullman is perfectly yeah. kind. And he's right. like, you go get your man. Right. <laughs> Again, he just goes along. Like he he just he, he is there to, and then he politely gets out of the way when he's no longer need to be the romantic interest. Absolutely insane. I was thinking of while you were sleeping, which is kind of also has a similar issue. Yeah, that was also a weird movie. <laughs> Man, rom coms are messed up when you think about them. Phil Pullman. All right, so we cut to MJH cruising down some highway apparently having dragged mario's body into the car somehow in the car mario comes to he's tied up and blindfolded though melissa immediately takes the blindfold off so i don't know why she'd blindfolded him (laughs) this would be terrifying by the way yeah and he is not terrified so much as just like sarcastic and a little angry i mean i would be that too but also it would be terrifying deep in my soul (laughs) no he is he's not really terrified mario says her plan does not seem very thought out and like He's a guy. He will overpower her at some point. That's true. He's much bigger than her in real life. Right. And like concludes that she was just dumped and that's why she's doing all this. But she really knows how to pick them. And Melissa Joan Hart is unimpressed, reminds him she still has the flintlock pistol, which almost certainly doesn't work in my mind because it's a (laughs) flintlock pistol from like 200 years ago. But surprise, she swerves to avoid a skunk and the gun goes off, almost killing Mario. Like it shoots the bullet right between his legs because of course... None of that would happen. None of that would happen. And so then Mario immediately realizes the ancient pistols like that only have one round. You have to like do the whole powder packing right. thing. So he's in the clear to totally escape it. No, I'm kidding. He doesn't mention that. No one mentions <laughs> that. She still has the gun. Everyone's totally afraid of it still because apparently this is a revolver-based flip-lock <laughs> pistol with multiple rounds chambered. Sure. That they had just loaded and sitting in a uh, easily accessible display right. case in this diner. And apparently Melissa brought you know, black powder with her and a tamping rod and everything she and more, you know, well, like uh, musket balls to fill the flintlock <laughs> pistol with. Like, it's insane. Anyone like just give her like they could have had a regular gun in the display case for some reason. Like it would made as much sense as the flintlock pistol. And the, or like, the owner kept one under the counter or something or like, you know, for Emergencies. robberies or whatever. Yeah. yeah. But no, they had to go with the flintlock pistol and they treat it like it's just like a regular gun. They would just <laughs> eat I don't get it. I don't understand. <laughs> my notes for like the first 20 minutes of this movie are like twice as long as my notes for the rest of this movie because so much is set up that I don't get. That happens to be a lot with my notes. Yeah. So instead, we cut to commercial. Uh, <laughs> we come back What was to, going on in 2007? Let's get a good commercial break in here. <laughs> um, uh, chia pets? No. Uh, <laughs> oh, Furbies? No. Furbies, there you go. I knew it was some kind of weird pet thing. <laughs> On ABC Family, let's like what was what was being this played. This was after the Beanie Baby craze. So <laughs> was it? Man. Yeah, it was like in like late nineties, right? That's true. Yeah, that was I don't know when Furbies existed, but I don't know. Anyway. Uh, somebody from our audience, please send us a link to a commercial montage from two thousand seven so we can figure that out. 
You okay? Yeah, I was looking to see what came up in 2007. That's why I gave an assignment to our listeners, Danielle, so we don't have to do it. <laughs> oh, American Idol was popular in 2007. I guess we could do a Ryan Seacrest commercial, sure. <laughs> Guitar Hero 3, Hannah Montana, Nerf. Well, Nerf was always popular, Danielle. That's <laughs> yeah, not really... Just... That's like saying the internet was popular in 2007. I was just saying what was popular according to this one website in 2007. Okay, great. Anyway... <laughs> I think our listeners will do a better job compiling a, a, a collection for us. Yeah, let us know. So as we come back from commercial, Melissa Joan Hart is explaining, like, this is how it's going to work. You're going to pretend to be Nick to keep my parents off my back. And Mara's like, uh, no, why would I <laughs> why? do that? This is what we discussed when we originally were trying to figure out which uh, things we were going to do. I was like, why would anybody go along with this? So I'm, I'm very curious to see where this movie yeah. goes. You're going to hate how they get around this problem. <laughs> oh, I already knew that was going to be the case. And so Mario was not on board and immediately in the most smarmy way deduces that she was just dumped and he says, oh, you must be like a hairy man-hater type that's been rejected time after time. I thought he he figured that out when he was in the car, but she's uh, just dumped. I think maybe I I put that there because I forgot what had happened. <laughs> because this movie does this thing where it'll cut back and forth and like it goes to commercial and they're still driving. They're having the con- like it breaks up conversations between like multiple short scenes and it's hard to keep track of like, oh, it's part of this one scene segment. Got like, there's, this is still part of the same scene. It just had a commercial break in the middle. Got it. Anyway, the stereotypes are very strong in this movie. Melissa then pulls up to get gas at a secluded gas station, and Mario is all, this will never work. You can't hold a gun at me at Christmas dinner. But she ignores him and goes inside where a very pervy elderly proprietor insists on pumping the gas for the pretty girl. So he's just, like, sitting in the car handcuffed? Handcuffed and blindfolded. Uh, she blindfolded him again? Yeah, yeah. She's not handcuffed. He's tied up with like a scarf or something. Okay. And so he can't get out of the car? Like he's tied to like the, the little handle at the top of the roof where you hold on to like, someone takes a, a, a turn too fast. Sure. So he's tied up to the is car. Is that what that's for? What is that for? <laughs> I don't know. Are helping you get in and out of the car probably. Like probably, to, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I use it for, Danielle. <laughs> the speed handle. <laughs> And so the proprietor, he sees the tied up Mario and Melissa plays it off as like a sex game. Yeah. I mean, what else are you going to do? Right. There's literally no other good answer. (laughs) Yeah. The man was like, oh, oh," goes back inside uh, and then comes out again with a gift for her. She's pumping the gas. Guess what the gift is, Danielle? Uh, Sex toy. Red furry handcuffs. Ew. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's helpful now. She could just use the handcuffs instead of attaching it to the car. She immediately applies the handcuffs to Mario. It's like, this kidnapping just got more professional. And it's like, what are you doing? <laughs> Does, are those just like a gift in the gas station? Did he have them in his private collection? Where did they I, come from? This guy's a pervert. I think he's like gifting her like, oh, I want to imagine you guys using these in your sex game. So I'm giving gross. them to you. Yeah. No, he is gross. And this is not the last we see of him. Oh, no. <laughs> no, indeed. Uh, also, Mario does not call for help. Not that the proprietor would actually have done anything, I think. But still, he makes no effort to escape here. Yeah, I would have definitely tried to escape. This is like your best chance of escape. I'd just be yelling for help. Like, maybe if someone else guessed, you would hear me. Yeah, that's weird. So back on the road, Melissa suggests they get to know each other better by sharing more about themselves. Mario remains stubbornly silent, so she just sort of starts guessing like, oh, you're a VP of a business your father owns, your parents bought your first house, and so on. And he doesn't say anything. She's like, yep, I knew it. On her side, she says she probably just lost her job at the at the restaurant and lived in a crappy loft. So, you know, I guess they formed a deeper bond now by sh- her sharing all that. Is she disdainful of the fact that he, 
He has all those things. Yeah. He's, she's like, oh, you got all your hand out and you didn't have to do any work and I'm struggling kind of thing. But she has a rich family that she's yeah. chosen not to utilize. Yeah. So it again- It seems like a weird thing to be disdainful. Is she disdainful that he didn't also eschew his rich upbringing and like try to make it on his own? No. She's just sort of disdainful like, oh, you probably have a 14 handicap and play golf and all that kind of like, you know, like rich privileged stuff. And Do a lot of rich people eat at this diner? Is this like a rich people diner? No, it is a, a <laughs> not a very nice diner, in fact. <laughs> is this where he was going to propose? Yeah. His- in the middle of a, not like a fancy restaurant, in the middle of a diner at lunch, you know. <laughs> not like a fancy, like, uh, a restaurant over like a dinner with candlelight. Maybe they met there accidentally. Uh, maybe, Daniel, but it still seems, well, you know his fiance. And, you know, she's a very privileged person as well. You realize that she would not have liked that, I think. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was just wondering. But as I, like I said, maybe they accidentally met there for the first time. I don't think she's that romantic, honestly. <laughs> maybe he is. Uh, Sure. I don't know. It, it, it never gets into it. I'm not going to speculate on qualities they don't express in this movie. It's fine. I'm going to have my own version of my end. As you always do. <laughs> <laughs> So Melissa pulls up to a cabin and goes inside, and it's decked to the nines in Christmas decorations. So the mom and the dad were clearly busy all day decking this place out. Her mom and dad greet her, and her dad starts going in on her about screwing up the interview. But her mom's like, no, this is Christmas. We're not going to talk about that. What we're here to do is meet Nick. We can't wait to meet Nick. I can't believe he's almost the one for you. That's so great. I can't believe she didn't resolve this um, fake boyfriend thing before she got to the cabin. Well, she's about to now because Melissa says that Nick, you know, she's like, oh, you know how dad likes to play his little jokes on the waitresses, when, like make a little jokes waitresses when they're at the dinner and nobody finds it funny. We all laugh along anyway. Well, Nick does that too. He's playing some stupid game where when he feels awkward, he pulls a, I don't want to be here. I've been kidnapped thing. And she asks them to all just laugh along and they buy this. They're like, yeah, sure. We'll go along with that. What does her dad do to servers? Because I yeah. feel like I'm annoyed about it. <laughs> I think he makes like dad jokes at them. You know, That's like okay, saying, but. <laughs> yeah, like I don't think he like does pranks, but he he says like, oh, she comes by to say like, oh, did you like your food when they have, when after they finish? She's like, oh, we hated it. See how much I ate? Uh, they, they ate the whole plate, that kind of thing. That's okay. Yeah. Like, the stuff that they hear every day and probably hate, but everyone just laughs along because it's sure. harmless. At least that's what I'm guessing. Maybe he's a monster, Danielle. I don't <laughs> I know. I was just wondering how offensive on a scale of zero to ten are, are her rich parents. <laughs> they, I think they're more – we get into it. This family <laughs> is oofta. Anyway, so they are totally on board to just play along with Nick's kidnapping routine. <laughs> I get I'm I'm trying to imagine myself telling that to my family and seeing if they would go along with it. And I don't know the answer to that question. Right? Like, props to the movie for trying to find a creative solution here. And maybe it would work, but I feel there's a lot of convolutions that have to happen for this to work out that just conveniently come into play, which we'll we'll get into. Well, to be fair, your family's probably not like, well, she must have kidnapped this guy and made him pretend to be her boyfriend. (laughs) That's probably not where your brain would ever go first. (laughs) No, but like, I'll get into all the other conveniences that help her pull this off. So Melissa goes out to get Mario, who was like, great, this charade is about to end. And he stomps inside and her mom hugs Mario saying, you're the first boyfriend she's ever brought home. And her dad implies they thought she might have been gay because mm-hmm. she never brought a boyfriend home before. And I'm not rooting for anybody in this movie. I hate them all. Because <laughs> that's the answer. Because she never brought a boyfriend home nor a girlfriend. Therefore, she must be gay. Right. And like, what if she was? Who cares? <laughs> Mm-hmm. So Mario lays out the whole, she forced me to come here, help me at gunpoint, and like goes on and on. And Alyssa just makes this like goofy face behind him. 
and her parents laugh and just offer him eggnog. And Mario is legitimately frustrated, I think. I mean, that reaction. would be frustrating, but I also, I'm not entirely convinced that that's the worst solution to this problem. I really right? do think it might work. <laughs> right, like... It, it seems, I think they could pull it off for a little bit. I'm not sure if he maintained that fiction continuously. Oh, for days, no. For maybe like an hour, yeah. it, would, it would fly. And then after that, you'd be like, that would be weird. This is a, <laughs> a three-day trip, Danielle. They're, they're, this is the 23rd. They're there through the 25th. So, yeah. Anyway, Melissa goes into the kitchen to help her mom with the eggnog. And then she asks her mom if she can be the key master this year. Which, what is that? <laughs> I don't know, Sam. What is it? I don't know either. All I can think of is Rick Moranis from Ghostbusters. The key master, like keys to the doors? Mystery to me, Danielle. Her mom agrees and says, okay, I'm trusting you, and gives her a bag of keys or something that she stored in the freezer of the of the, uh, of the yeah, the freezer, basically. Are they like swingers? Do they do something with the keys? This is, is their family, like a- <laughs> Danielle. I don't know what is they happening. They have other guests over. I don't know how the story goes. They're not. They're no other guests. I have Where, no- what are the keys? Danielle. Do they never come it. up later? <laughs> oh, they come up a lot. And okay, this whole okay, thing okay. is obviously just a crazy made-up tradition to satisfy the parameters of the plot. Yeah, excellent. So keys in a bag, you said? Frozen keys? In the freezer. Her mom was storing in the freezer for inscrutable reasons. <laughs> Meanwhile, Mario goes back outside to the other cars. They're all locked, and he quickly finds they're quite secluded in the snowy wilderness. Like, there are no other cabins for miles that he can see. And there's no, so. like, purses lying around with keys in them, like, his mom, the mom's purse isn't just sitting on a counter somewhere like it would be in real life. We'll get to that, but no, absolutely not. <laughs> okay, whatever. He goes back inside and asks the dad if he can use a phone. Like, and the dad's like, no, oh, there's no phone here in this cabin. And he said, like, what about a cell phone? And he says that the key master has all the cell phones and keys since they apparently interfere with quality family time. Okay, sure. So the premise is the key master, who is usually the mom, I suppose, but is this year Melissa Joan Hart. Whenever anyone arrives, the family, they put all their keys and cell phones into a bag, and then the keys person- Keys to what? Keys their to cars, cars? All their cars. She had the car keys in the freezer. Yes. Is that- Is that- Are they just regular car keys, or are they like electronic ones? The fobs. I think they would be okay. I don't think it would damage them <laughs> I permanently. I know if it would be an issue. <laughs> I assume not. Like, a regular key, fine. The cell phones I'd be more worried about damaging Yeah, like, the all those things, like, did she put the cell phones in the freezer, too? I can only assume, because they're all kept together. Like, all kept in the same bag, that the key master then- very thoroughly hide somewhere in the cabin. Like, it's not just that they hold on to it. Like, they actually have to, like, hide it, like, buried treasure so nobody they, gets do, tempted. Do they not trust each other to, like, not touch that, the yes, things? Yes, <laughs> yes. That's the premise. It's like, you have to physically hide the keys so that nobody, like, drives off and leaves in the middle of the, of the weekend getaway. Is that and why they were you, in the freezer? That's why they were in the freezer. I assume the mom was hiding them in the freezer, and now it's up to Melissa to hide them somewhere else. Uh, okay. What a, right, sorry. This, I'm, like, really stuck on this. <laughs> It's fine, but the, the I think you're stuck on the same reason I am, because the implications are, if your family has to be basically coerced into spending time together, maybe this isn't the best way to have a family get together. Yeah, like, I get being like, okay, let's give up our phones and stuff, and, you know, but, like, they should still be available if needed, or, like, you should trust that the other people aren't going to use the thing. Is it really that bad? <laughs> Apparently, again, this is only there to create 
the situation where Mario cannot Obviously. get access to his cell phone or car keys. Sure. But, like, what a choice. <laughs> yeah. Like, I believe that this would be a tradition. I don't believe that you would have to, like, hide them and only one person in the entire house could possibly. Like, what if there was an emergency with the person nope. who was the key master, and now you can't find the phones because no, they hit they're them dead. and they're, they're unconscious? Died. That's it. No, <laughs> like, the, the that dead. is a terrible plan. <laughs> <laughs> it's a crazy tradition, and the movie does not spend that much time talking about it, so uh, we spent more time trying to understand this <laughs> tradition like, than the movie did. I had feelings. All right, I go know. ahead. <laughs> so, like, this is what I was talking about earlier. I said, okay, maybe they would play along for a little bit. But the, the the steps the movie has to go through to make it work out, like hiding all the keys and the cell phones, nonsense. Absolute nonsense. It would make more sense if she was just, like, in charge of them and she chose, because of the situation, to go hide them. Right. That would make way more sense. Like, normally they wouldn't be hidden, but she's Apparently there is to do some so. premise where if they leave the keys and phones accessible, people will... Like, just leave in the middle of dinner, abandon their family? I don't know what's going on. <laughs> this is 2007. So this is before we were all, like, overly attached yeah, to all, our cell phones. <laughs> these are all flip phones. These but they're, are like, not, flip phones. Yeah, they're not, yeah, yeah. Like, they're not smartphones. Like, they, well, I'm playing Snake. I can't come to the table right now. <laughs> yeah, I'd like a Motorola flip phone in 2007. Right. Like, this these are all, like, the Nokias and the, the, and the Motorola's and the flip phones. Yeah. <laughs> Insane. All right. So then two people show up. One is identified as Melissa's brother, Jake. And the other person is either her sister or Jake's wife. I <laughs> do not know at this point. <laughs> They're clearly very successful compared to Melissa. Like the the woman is in law school and the other guy is like dating this beautiful woman. So it's not her. It's the sister. Now we learn it's the sister. Mm-hmm. And so then Mario pulls Jake aside and tries to get his help. But Jake just laughs it off and Mario calls his sister a psycho. He's like... Jake, you gotta help me. Your sister kidnapped me. She's a psycho. And he's like, haha, yeah, she is. And then goes back to the rest of the family. I don't feel like that's how you'd react to that situation, especially since I haven't been prepped on the, by the way, he's pretending that he's yeah. being kidnapped thing. <laughs> yeah, no, you're just like, I think, I think, I'm, I, I, let me rephrase. I think Mario just says, you gotta help me. Your sister's a psycho. And he's just like, haha, yeah, she is. I don't think he mentioned the kidnapping part. Okay. But I'll give it a pass. But conveniently, he doesn't mention it. Like, why wouldn't you mention the kidnapping part to him? Yeah, it would be telling immediately every single person that walked in the door. Yeah, absolutely insane and very convoluted. So later the mom is taking them to the the room assignments, and Melissa insists on sharing a room with Mario. She's like, I'm 27, I think she said 27, I'm going to share a room with my boyfriend. And her mom's like, okay. I mean, that's fair. And then cut to later, and they're in bunk beds. <laughs> <laughs> and Mario's all, you better get used to these bunk beds, and she'll share them in prison with your roommates, blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> And so, like, he is very, again, not, like, scared, but just, like, confident and caustic. Well, I guess so far it's not like she looks like she's going to murder him. She just seems to need him here for the weekend. <laughs> right. And Melissa is very sanguine about this whole thing. She's like, well, you might as well relax since there's no one around for miles. And as the key master, I'm in charge of all the phones and keys and I've hidden them quite well. So, you know, might as well just enjoy the weekend. She goes to sleep. But, like, she is... Not at all, like, worried. or ha- She's almost emotionless. Like, it's weird. Detached. I would be worried about going to bed because I would be afraid he would, like, try to kill me in my sleep. <laughs> nope. She has no such fears and just, like, go get some sleep. She suddenly up with her stuffed animal and goes to bed. You think he would, like, tie her up while she was asleep and yeah. leave? <laughs> yeah, I would. Mario insists the only thing keeping him going is to look on her face when he finally gets her busted. So, 
He's in it for the petty revenge. Oh, I mean, sure. So later, after Melissa is asleep, Mario sneaks downstairs to search for the hidden keys, fails, and then just goes outside to look for a neighbor, just starts walking down the road. And now we're back to the start of the movie with Melissa pulls up in the car, Mario gets back in, they go back to the house. Okay. Why did we have to start the movie here, Danielle, instead of with Melissa at the beginning where she woke up? I don't to know. To hook you in. Eh, sure. Well, if you didn't know the plot of the movie, it might be interesting. Sure. That's, I guess that's true. Next scene, it's bright morning, and Melissa gets a call on her cell phone from her friend Tracy. And she, like, tells Tracy what happened. Like, I, I kidnapped this guy. they were allowed to use their phones. She's the key master. She's in charge of all the phones, so she still has hers, apparently. But how, but how is that fair? <laughs> <laughs> Again, the rules are, are crazy. So she gets so a call. So she has a cell phone. Did yeah. he not steal it last night? He didn't know she had it, and we'll get to that. Okay. So she gets a call from her friend Tracy, and she's like, Talking to her and telling her about, like, oh, I kidnapped this guy. And Tracy's like, oh, that's not a good idea, but doesn't, like, go anything more about that. <laughs> I'd be saying way more about that to my friend. <laughs> Tracy's like, you have to let him go, and that's not okay. And then does like, that's the end of their conversation about it, apparently, or something. I would ask a lot more questions, and then I might send a policeman up there. Right. Nope. <laughs> but Mario sees her with the phone through the window, because she's, like, stepped outside to take the call. But the mom catches him and sits him down for breakfast before he can do anything about it. Okay. The mom notices he's wearing the same clothes as he was yesterday. And Melissa comes in and says, oh, yes, we forgot the suitcase. And Mario's like, aha, we should call that diner where I left the suitcase so I can go, uh, so I can make sure I can get it. Can I borrow your phone? And she's like, I don't have my phone. I guess I know you have it tucked inside your, you know, shirt. And the mom's like, Melissa, how dare you? And then, like, says, okay, let me go get you some clothes. And she leaves you to get Mario clothes. And then Mario starts chasing Melissa around the kitchen island to try to like, get the phone from her. Uh-huh. And then Melissa smashes it with a meat tenderizer. That was a choice. Well, I guess it worked. And like, I guess in for a penny, in for a pound, right? <laughs> I'm not sure I would have mentioned it to her. I think I might have just stolen it from her. Well, she like kept it on her person. So it might have hard to get to, but right, let her fall asleep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's lots of ways to have done that. I know. He jumped out of the hallway, knocked her unconscious, stolen the phone. I mean, you were kidnapped. You can do anything you want. <laughs> I, I would say any. Yeah. I mean, yes, within exactly. reason. Yeah. Agree, Danielle. It, it seems insane. <laughs> I wouldn't tell her I knew she had a phone on her at some point. Right. And he immediately blows his, like, trump card there. Yeah, it's weird. So you cut to the rest of the family at breakfast. The mom is unreasonably upset that she forgot to get the olive oil. She's like, oh, no, I forgot the olive oil. She's yelling about it. Uh-huh. So Mario again jumps at the opportunity. He says, I'll go get it for you. And Melissa's like, no, no, I'll do it. You stay here. And mom's like, no, no. Why don't the dad go and Mario can go with him? It lets them connect. They can have some male bonding time. And so they leave. And Melissa Joan Hart, sister, tries to fix her frazzled hair and like wondering, how'd you hook up with such a hottie like Nick? And they're like having that kind of girl talk moment. So that's fun. Uh-huh. Does he escape? Because he's with the dad in town. So the dad's driving in the car. Mario and the dad pull up to that same gas station, which is apparently the only store like for miles. Mm-hmm. Mario runs inside and like asks the proprietor for help. He's all like, you got to help me, man. There's this woman and the part's like, let me guess. You were kidnapped by a sexy girl who ties you up and spanks you and does naughty things. And Mario's like, what are you talking about? I need help. And the guy's like, oh, yeah, I'm sure you do, buddy. You could just like, can I use your phone? <laughs> so the dad gets the olive oil and comes up to the counter and implies very heavily that he and the wife use it for sex. Ew. Yeah, which is gross. And he says, the best thing about the holidays, no guilt. Right, son? And I'm just, at first, like, gross. And second, since we're not the holidays guilt-free, like, I feel like the holidays are rife with guilt. 
pretty certain types, sure. Yeah, yeah, all kinds of guilt, I think. I is think- this implying that the husband and, like, the proprietor of the station, like, have sex talks? <laughs> no, he's talking to the, um... To Mario about his sex life. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, he's like, the the little lady likes everything oiled up. Not that I'm complaining. And I'm like, what is going on? You barely know this man. Also, again, there's probably a phone in this place. So, back at the cabin, Melissa is looking better in her normal clothes and hair, and the grandma shows up. That's the whole scene. Uh Uh-huh. We cut back to the gas station. Mario runs back inside. He gets aggressive. He's like, you're going to let me use that phone. But the prior then pulls out a shotgun and is like, you get out of here now. (laughs) That's a very dramatic reaction to asking for the phone. What? what, Right. Like I said, everything (laughs) goes from like, Mario could just say, can you please eat your phone? And instead, it's like, you're going to let me use your phone. And the guy, instead of saying no or yes, just pulls out a shotgun. Like, everyone goes from zero to a million immediately. Crazy. So on the drive back, Mario tries to grab the wheel and, like, crash the car, I guess, for some reason. Mm-hmm. As the dad is driving. And he screams, he just wants to go home. The dad then puts him in a headlock and says, I know, relationships can seem suffocating at times, etc. But I'll keep this between us. <laughs> You could also just have had a, like, a genuine, honest conversation with the dad to see if that would work. <laughs> no, he clearly is totally bought into this. This is totally fake. <laughs> but, like, and I, and I know you have to suspend disbelief that these people are buying into the story, but they're all idiots. Like, <laughs> it's frustrating. I feel like at some point, depending on how the conversation was going, you might question the veracity of your daughter's statement. Right, I get I, going along with it at first, but, like, later, especially if you're talking one-on-one with this dude, and he's like, no, listen. <laughs> like, right. For whatever reason, none of that none of that happens, and he decides to grab the wheel, and this whole misunderstanding happens because wacky misunderstandings keep the movie going. Mm-hmm. Trying to kill somebody in a car, totally fine. I have no idea what his plan was, honestly, by grabbing the wheel. He could also knock the dad unconscious and just drive away. Something like that. I have no offense to the dad, <laughs> but you're kidnapped. <laughs> or when the dad goes inside to get like the hallway, like get the drive keys away. and drive off. Yeah. <laughs> Like, oh, wait, the car. Can you keep it running? It's cold out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, solutions to this problem, none of which he used. Well, that, again, if he did, there'd be no movie, unfortunately. <laughs> or fortunately, depending on your point of view. So Mario and the dad are right back at the cabin, and Mario immediately rips his pants when he tries to sit down, which horns up the grandmother, so thank you for that. You. The brother takes him to get new ones, and, oh, he also has a secret phone. And I feel like this movie is just the same, like, two or three scene ideas over and over again. Like, Mario gets access to a phone, but it doesn't work out somehow. So they go to get him pants, like, in the house, or they go yeah, to the like, store? He's like, I got some pants you can borrow. And so he's like, come got with it. me, I'll get you some new pants. Apparently these people can't be away from their phones in 2007 for more right? than three days. <laughs> Apparently so. Apparently the Keymaster thing is actually needed, Danielle, for this family. <laughs> That's what we've learned. So Jake lets Mario borrow the phone, and he quickly locks himself in the bathroom. He tries to call his girlfriend fiance or whatever 911 yeah no, he does not think to call the police he calls what? his Why? Girl- danielle please his girlfriend does not pick up so he calls his girlfriend's mother who drops the phone in her pool because she's like having an eye mask and sucks so then he calls his girlfriend again who finally picks up the phone but cuts him off and is all pissed at him for being stood up he's like you have a lot of nerve you stood me up in that place blah 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 and he like won't let him talk i hate when movies do this i hate when movies do that yep Anyway, she rants long enough that Melissa catches on and tries to break down the bathroom door. He finally gets it out that he's been kidnapped, he was going to propose, and to go to the police. And then he hangs up and hands the phone to Melissa and walks out of the bathroom. No, 911! Yeah, that would no, be my yeah, no, first call! No, he calls the girlfriend. <laughs> so bad! He, he calls his, his fiancé, his soon-to-be fiancé, he's like, 
You're the girl, please? Good. Done. Hands the phone to Melissa, very satisfied with himself. She flushes the phone down the toilet and like... Oh, that'd be bad. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. It's like, you, you could have called the girlfriend and the police. Like, nothing... Sometimes like, toilet paper can't even go down the toilet. <laughs> yeah. Let's not worry about the plumbing. The point is, Mario could have escaped and chose not to. The, the plumbing is not the concern for this movie. 911. We cannot believe he didn't call the police. Absolutely insane. And like... It wasn't like he ran out of time, Melissa broke in the door. She was, like, trying to pick the lock unsuccessfully until he unlocked the door and literally handed <laughs> he her the phone. just called the police after that. <laughs> yeah. He had so much time in that bathroom. He could have done anything. <laughs> he could have ran outside with the phone and just kept running by calling the police. <laughs> so then he lays out a plan to her. He's like, I'm going to be the best boyfriend for you ever. Your parents are going to love me. And she's like, why would you ever do that? And he's like, so it'll be so much worse when they learn the truth. <laughs> Cut the <sure>. commercial. <laughs> he's like, they're really going to be like, they're going to love me so. And they're going to be so much more disappointed when they learn I'm not really your boyfriend. So we come back from commercial to Mario giving the dad a golf lesson and smarming around with all the family members. Melissa and the mom come in to decorate the tree. They tell some truly horrific stories about her childhood, like how she was such a withdrawal, like, oh, her, her, her siblings, they were so outgoing and friendly, but she was so withdrawn, we had to pay this, this neighborhood boy to be her friend, but he gave the money back. <laughs> Which, like, what? What, what is, that's not charming, like, childhood anecdote, that's, that's like abuse. <laughs> Did she already know about it? Let's show her. Yeah, she knew. <laughs> it's worse. <laughs> Like, so they're telling stories like that, and, like, clearly she is the person her parents dump on in the family the whole time. That's fun. The mom suggests that Nick be the one who puts the angel on top of the tree, and Melissa freaks out. She's like, this was her thing. And, like, who who cares? I don't know. It's her family tradition, or her tradition. But she, Some like, people freaks have very out. strong opinions about their traditions. But no one else seems to care that much. <laughs> but well, she's nobody cares about care. her, apparently. Yeah, that's. I think that's the real thing here. So we cut to Nick playing football with the family in the snow, and Melissa watches forlornly from the window inside the cabin. Then we cut to that night. Nick is endearing himself to everyone, and Melissa is sulking. How dare they like him better than her? Basically, yeah. The mom asks to have Nick do the traditional reading of the night before Christmas, and then Melissa storms out. Mario goes after her to check on her for reasons, I guess, to keep up the charade about being the good boyfriend. Mm-hmm. And Melissa's all upset that her family likes Mario more than her. She's like, I just want my family to like me. Mario is slightly sympathetic, but then they get into a little squabble about, like, I, I, he says, like, I, I didn't even want to read the story. It was like, I don't care if you read the story. I was like, well, fine, then I will read the story. And they go back <laughs> in and he reads the story. And everyone looks at him admiringly, including Melissa Joan Hart for some reason. <laughs> That's a quick turnaround. Yeah, I think she was uh, touched by his momentary s- expression of sympathy to her. Uh-huh. Well, they gotta fall in love somehow, because otherwise it's an unrealistic story. Oh yeah, that's the unrealistic part. <laughs> Later, while doing the dishes, the mom sets out milk and cookies for Santa and asks Melissa to write a letter to Santa. And Melissa agrees, even though she thinks it's childish and stupid. So she and Mario settle on two couches to write these lists, and she pulls out a bottle of wine. She's so like, this is going to be a long night, so we better get started. Eventually, they look at each other's lists, you know, and this is like their moment. And Mario's all smug, since he has everything he needs, except a pasta maker, since he likes to cook. Melissa's letter is like, more mundane. She like wants world peace, but then she also includes that job. she wa- <laughs> nope, not a job. She also includes <laughs> that she wants to stop disappointing her parents. And what a thing to write on your Christmas Dear list, Dear Santa. That go- the Santa the Santa list that goes to your parents. Right. Give me the ability to stop disappointing my parents. 
So Mario tries to console her, telling her they love her. But she's like, I want them to look at me the way they look at you. And she tells a sad childhood story about an ice skating thing where she was going to do some figure skating. She couldn't do it. So her dad, like, froze over the back porch so she could do the performance for them. And it was the best Christmas ever. And she's never had, like, a Christmas that good before or made her parents that happy since then. Is this, like, do you think her parents actually are disappointed in her? Or does she just feel like they're disappointed in her? Boy, that's a question. I think we'll get into that, actually. There is a lot of weird psychological dumping that happens later in this movie. I mean, there's already been a little bit of it. So I'm not sure. I don't think her parents are blameless at all. But no, I was just curious which direction the movie was actually going in. If they were trying to paint them as a good parents or questionable parents uh i think they're they're questionable really i think it's, it's, i'm not saying she's blameless either but like they're definitely pretty questionable well she doesn't seem blameless thus far so yeah so we got tomorrow's fiance she's going to the police station we're all i don't know why she waited until night to go to the police station or why she didn't just call them but it's had to go down there in person and they're all ignoring her since there's a christmas party going on so you know well done police <laughs> there's so many things wrong with that sentence <laughs> right so she finally gets her attention by, like, yelling, pay attention to me, which, top notch. <laughs> and she's there to report a, bum, 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 kidnapping. Cut to commercial. <laughs> she doesn't even know where he is, right? He didn't say where the cabin no, was? No, he, like, said, I might get some cabin north, blah, blah, blah. He gives some directions. Okay, okay. I, I skipped over that because who I cares? just wanted to make sure that was part of it. So they do that a lot in movies. Yeah. So we come back from commercial to the next morning at the cabin. The mom is laying out the schedule. She's like... Jake, you're going to do this and, and cut the wood and you're going to do that. And then she's like, hey, Melissa and Mario, what, your assignment is to go outside and have some fun. I put your coats out. So that's a weird choice. <laughs> so as they get their jackets, Melissa's sister is like stretching and bending over. And Mario is just ogling her butt, <laughs> which is great. And Melissa is clearly jealous. And Mario's like, oh, you're jealous? Like, why well, be jealous? You're staring at my gorgeous sister. I mean, why wouldn't you be? And they go outside. So, you know. That seems like a healthy way to start a little relationship. <laughs> and so they're playing ice hockey for some reason. And Mario just keeps checking Melissa, knocking her on her butt over and over again. That's fair. Which is very funny. <laughs> uh, and then they go for a walk and he asks her, what, what do you do for fun? And then she says, she paints. So now we learn she's a painter, Danielle. Okay, good. Finally, she paints. She does post-impressionist portraits, which when you see her paintings later, they're not portraits, they're landscapes. So Does she seem to want to make this a career? Yes, very much so. Okay, got it. But not like in this moment. Right now, it's just a hobby, she it's says. It's just a hobby, okay. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I know about the post-impressionists. And like starts naming some and, you know, she's shocked, shocked. That he knows <laughs> you know the, the basics of art? <laughs> you know some post-impressionist painters. He's like, well, maybe you shouldn't jump to conclusions about me. He's then like, you made all these assumptions about me. He's like, I don't work for my father's uh, a real estate firm. I studied for it. He's like, I, I didn't even want to work at this firm. I studied for and want to be, guess what he wanted to be, Danielle? An architect. An architect! <laughs> yes! <laughs> <laughs> of course, an architect. 2007 you did not disappoint <laughs> amazing uh, amazing but he's not a nepo baby his parents were poor school teachers who died in a car accident when he was nine. Oh, poor mario so he like throws all his assumptions of, of melissa Joan Hart back into her face like no i worked my way through school i clawed for everything i needed. i lived with my grandfather in a, in a one bedroom apartment we were poor and, I, and i've worked for everything i've got so she's like i guess i was just assuming you were a bro-y type or something so he is not an architect though 
No, he wants, he has ambitions to be an architect. He works at like some real estate firm. They do like condo development or some like soulless property development kind of thing. Is he just doing it to make money in the interim? Does he still want to be an architect? I think again, he, his feeling was he grew up poor and he realized there wasn't like, he says it's hard to break into architecture if you're not already established and there was no money in there. So he went the money route basically to secure his finances for, you know, after being poor. So I didn't want to be like that again. I wanted to have security, sure. but he still, you know, pines to be an architect. We cut to back inside. They're playing chess. Melissa is getting her butt kicked. She makes like a move and then tries to take it back. And he like grabs her hand playfully and starts like doing the stop hitting yourself. Why are you hitting yourself, Melissa? <laughs> sorry. That's funny every time. I, I'm sorry it is. <laughs> Again, they're all laughing. I guess they're having fun with that. It's not mean. And he says, you can't take back something once it's done. And Melissa says, very seriously, even if you realize right away it was wrong and you're sorry. Yeah, and he's still like, kidnapping. You're like, <laughs> And I don't know if Mario picks up on this because he just says, fine, and lets her take back the move in a playful way. So like either he is emotionally unintelligent or is just playing along. <laughs> then they go to the kitchen and end up under the mistletoe and the parents and Jake tease him like, you got to kiss, you got to kiss. So they kiss as chimes play in the soundtrack because, of course. That is the only reasonable way to make a you've got to kiss uh, thing happen in a, in a movie because otherwise it's always weird. You mean mistletoe? Yeah. Because it's the only like th- like weird. That's the only thing that happens in real life where you're like actually standing under mistletoe. Where you're like, oh man, now I have to kiss somebody. But in any other romantic comedy situation, they're just randomly like, you have to kiss. <laughs> and it's like that doesn't make any sense. Well, what about like if say if they just got married? I still don't know if you would. Like if they're at the altar and they're like, you know, you may oh, not kiss the bride. Like, yeah, oh, that I don't makes feel it. Like they like, never. Gotta they, kiss. You that never kiss. happens. <laughs> the only other situation <laughs> that might happen is like if they just announce their engagement. I could see right. people being sure. like, kiss, 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 kiss. I just but- love the idea of like a couple who's getting like they, they say their vows and they don't want to go. They want to like high five and everyone's like, you got to kiss. <laughs> that does not never happens in a movie for marriage. It'd be much funnier though. Anyway, later Mario finds a book of Melissa's art and as he like pages through it. Not portraits, to be clear. Maybe she does canvas portraits. What do you mean canvas portraits? She's, you said it was a book that he was paging. Yeah, through, I think right? it's like a, a, um, a catalog. Not a catalog. Like a printed thing of her? I don't I, honestly, I don't know. They look like... Or sketches. They, no, it's like photos or pictures of Maybe her. Maybe like, pro- pro- like a, a portfolio? A portfolio. That's what I was looking for. I don't know why it's okay. a catalog. <laughs> a portfolio makes sense. Okay, then I'll take it. Go ahead. You're right. Because uh, uh, she does acrylic. She does art. She does paintings. So I don't know why they have a little book of paintings. I think it's like a portfolio of some kind. It must be some kind of portfolio. I don't know. Maybe it's just tiny little paintings she does in the book. <laughs> I, I, it was very miniatures. <laughs> I wasn't. Pay, I wasn't paying that close attention. I don't know. <laughs> I'm gonna assume it's some kind of portfolio that she shops around. I like with. the idea for like putting this little book. Like, it's not like even a giant, like, you know, sketch pad book. It's like a, a book that fits in her purse. Putting that, like, up on an easel and, like, taking her oil paints and painting <laughs> tiny little picture paintings of, like... It's probably something she can drop off somewhere or show people on the fly yeah, or whatever. That's my guess. Like a business card, but with her paintings. Yeah, exactly. Then it's time for presents! Mario's given a back scrubber and Melissa's given a pink sweater. Pretty much everyone is given awful gifts in this scene. Back like scrubber is such a weird choice. I mean, they don't even know this. It's like the first time they met him. And they're like, give him a gift I've card. I've never I once know. in my life been like, you know what I should give this this male person that I've never met? A back scrubber. Well, everyone gets terrible presents. Like, nobody likes the gifts they're given in this in this montage. Like, the mom is given a, a wrench set. <laughs> 
for fun. She clearly hates it. It's like, oh, it's very heavy. It's wretched. It's like, why? No one likes it. The dad is giving something terrible. It's like this family is passive aggressively giving each other terrible gifts to show how much they hate each other. I now believe that they need a key master. Now, now you believe it. <laughs> yeah, I do. I do think that this family would try to like run away from each other. Yeah. Okay. Now, now that makes sense. Good. Okay. In fact, we'll get to it later. Yes. The last gift is given to Melissa is a leather briefcase, like, you know, a, a bag, a document bag that they were giving to her. Like, well, we thought you would get that job, but I guess you don't need it anymore. And suddenly she's very sad. Aww. And then her dad starts going in on this rent, like, you need to get your head out of the clouds. You're unsettled, unfocused. You need to start your career. And Melissa says she loves to paint. And her dad misses that. Like, you can still paint, but you need to have a, an actual job. And I don't necessarily disagree with the idea of like you can still do your hobbies and try to pursue that while having a way to support yourself. Mm-hmm. But I don't agree that he's like with, with this tone or the way he dismisses her art as like not important. So Well, and we haven't seen anything, at least you haven't said that we've seen anything prior to this that would suggest that she is really going after her art dream other right. than she paints. But like, no is she, she out is. there shopping it around? Is she like trying to get people to notice this or no is just like a idea. hobby of hers? <laughs> I didn't even <laughs> like, know she was a painter until they had that walk in the yeah, woods. So like, I mean, there's like a choice you got to make. Are you like, you doing it? You're not. <laughs> right. And to be fair, like she's working as a waitress, which is your, I hate to say stereotypical, but you know, that's a cliche thing for a starving artist to be doing. Mm-hmm. So it's not like she's destitute and not working. So, I, if I was like, you're making money, you can afford your apartment, that's fine, I guess. But after all this sort of dumping on Melissa, Mario finally speaks up and says that he's seen her paintings and they're you know raw and expressive and such stuff and really beautiful in that he has a gift for her. Guess what his gift for her is, Danielle? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Take one guess, uh, please. Uh, how could he have a gift for her at all? He was kidnapped. He gets down on one knee. Pulls the ring he had on him out of his pocket and proposes to her. He's going to propose to her. I should have guessed that. That's great. Yeah, right? I so guess mean. <laughs> he proposes to her. Not, I think, because he wanted, like, he felt like she would like this, but as, like, a screw you to her parents. Uh-huh. Like, but also see, later, it's going to be a screw you to Melissa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think his initial, his, his momentary intentions are, I think, to help her and, like, shut up her parent and get them to stop dumping on her. But obviously, long term, oof, that's going to blow up. <laughs> yeah, that's like double whammy. Melissa says yes. Everyone freaks out. The mom is ecstatic. Like, this is the best thing that ever happened to her daughter. Which, well, if you're not going to be, uh, if you're not going to have a career, at least you're getting married, honey. <laughs> Like, I think, again, it's very sexist in the way, like, oh, the woman's goal is to get married and all that kind of stuff. Like, this is the most important thing to happen to a woman. So, uh, not great. 2007, it couldn't help itself. And so the mom suggests they all break until dinner in three hours and, you know, go get ready for dinner. So Melissa gets Mario alone and thanks him. And he's all, well, I figured we should give them all the bells and whistles, at least for a few more hours. And like, like you said, how is this a good thing? Like, this is clearly going to make it way worse. Yeah, especially if police show up. <laughs> Yeah, and then he tells her he really did see her art and he meant it. And Melissa apologizes again. And Mario's all, I guess it hasn't been that bad. And she promises that after dinner, as long as you can get through dinner, I'll take you wherever you want to go. And she leaves, like, you know, quietly crying to herself. Aw. Is this Christmas Eve? Uh, yes. Or Christmas Day? And unclear. I think it's Christmas Day, actually, because... So it's been two days. Yeah. Because I think that... I- I think it's Christmas Day. But they're leaving Christmas Day. Are they leaving the day after Christmas? I think they're leaving Christmas Day after dinner. Like, she says after Christmas dinner, I'll take you wherever mm-hmm. you want to go. So. Did he get this phone call to the police yesterday or today? I think he did it yesterday. Again, time makes no sense in the movie. I don't <laughs> like, know. Like, where are the police? <laughs> 
Uh, we'll get to that, actually. I promise. I'm sure we will. Also want to mention, I do appreciate Melissa Joan Hart's performance in this movie. Like, mm-hmm. she is doing her character very well. I think Mario Lopez is, too. I mean, he's mostly doing Mario Lopez, but, like, <laughs> you know, he's doing his thing. It's just, like, they're very – I like them. They're very likable characters and people. Like, even though Melissa done this crazy stuff, even though Mario's being a jerk, like, you still, like, you enjoy watching. They have good chemistry. I really – like them on screen and i'm sad we didn't get more melissa joan hart that's what i'm getting at here She's <laughs> i do really like good. melissa joan hart yeah and I, just like different than her like teenage acting years and everything so i really i think it's like oh i wanted more of her i was glad is this to see like her. the only thing you've seen her in as an adult i think so honestly maybe huh, one of the things was she, what else has she been in I'm curious now. Um, she was she's been in a couple of sitcoms, right? I mean, I'm talking about like, yeah, I guess that, but like not as like the the primary person. Like she's probably made a no, cameo. she's been in sitcoms as like a primary character. Oh, okay, never mind. She's had like a pretty full career. I mean, to be honest, it's all been you know a lot of made for TV type stuff or TV shows, but she's she's done a lot of stuff, right? And I haven't <laughs> seen a lot of her. I think that's mostly on like the kind of media I consume more than on her, right? But I'm like. Wow, I really like her as an actress, and I, I'm glad I could... Thank you for making me watch this, Danielle, and, and reconnecting that. <laughs> I'm glad. Anyway, not the point. The point is, it's very weird to have these very likable people playing these very unlikable characters in a way, if that makes sense. Yeah. So... I remember she was in some other TV okay, show that did We gotta move well on from her, from, her, from her philosophy. Do we? Do yes, we? <laughs> yes, because I got, I got an hour or so to get through the rest of this. <laughs> Go ahead. So later, Melissa is taking out the trash and finds her brother drinking alone in the garage, enjoying some, as he says, downtime. She joins him and he tells her how happy he is for her and that someday he wants the same thing. And she's all like, oh, you have Jen. You have the same thing. And he unloads that he broke up with his girlfriend like six months ago and now is dating a man named Ryan. Mm -hmm. Melissa is momentarily shell-shocked, but then is all, you know what? I think I knew already. That he was dating a guy named Ryan? No, that he was gay. (laughs) And, you know, she's like, I think I already knew. And he's like, oh, I think, like, you know, they're clearly having a moment here. It's very sweet. And Jake reveals he had a plan to, like, tell everyone at dinner. And they laugh, like, how, like, that would be a big bombshell for their parents who wanted him to have, like, that same perfect life, perfect wedding, that kind of thing. Uh, so he I think, can still have that. Yeah. But I think, like, the, the, the point is her parents, and they get into this pretty explicitly, have all these expectations for their children to have, like, the, their same life kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And that's what everyone feels. It's not just Melissa who feels that pressure. So he didn't end up doing it because she got engaged? Well, no, that dinner hasn't happened yet. They're, they're breaking before Christmas dinner. Oh, before this dinner. Got it. Yeah, yeah. They got, she got engaged during the present time, not the dinner time. I forgot. Yes. <laughs> Again, time, time has movie. no meeting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Very confusing. Cut to Mario, who sees the cache of cell phones and keys has been raided, like they're scattered across the floor, and the grandmother is booking it out to the cars to escape, and he chases See, after her. See, that's why they hide all the keys. Yes! <laughs> she's clearly very drunk, the grandmother, and they get in the car, and the grandmother insists on going back to the city for a good steak. He insists you, she can't drive, she's too drunk, but she takes off anyway and crashes immediately into the trees on the side of the road. That's not good. Jake and Melissa hear them and rush out to help, and everyone's fine. Does he pocket the keys? No, he just he doesn't try to escape anymore. He's done trying to escape. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So we cut to Melissa Joan Hart's friend, Tracy. The police are knocking on her door, and she opens it. Clearly in the middle of a Santa-themed sexual role-play with another man who comes up behind her. Uh-huh. <laughs> because why not? <laughs> so the police interview Tracy, and she tells them she doesn't know where Melissa went. They just took off. And the police say that when they catch her, Tracy will be put away as an accessory. And I'm like, wait a minute. That's not how any of this works. First <laughs> off, you don't have to wait to catch the other person to arrest Tracy as an accessory if you wanted to. And second, at this point, she's not an accessory. She's just a witness. 
Yeah, and I think you, I think the good lawyer could probably argue that she really had no idea. Right. To be fair, I think what they're getting at here, and I don't know how the police know this, but they're they're basically saying that Tracy got that phone call from Melissa where she told them her everything. Oh, sure, sure. And that she didn't report that makes her an accessory. You could also just think, I thought my friend was being weird. Yeah, again. <laughs> I didn't know she was literal about it. <laughs> also, the police would have no idea that that call took place. So yeah. Their, their threat here makes no sense. I left out a scene earlier where they'd gone to the diner to try to find Melissa there, and they that's where they learned about Tracy and how they went and found Tracy. So there's actual police work going on. But yeah, I would agree that they don't know about that phone call and therefore would not know that Tracy was an accessory. Exactly. So anyway, the police, not very good at using the law, but apparently it works and, and Tracy breaks down and tells them where Melissa is. So she did know. Yeah, because, I mean, she knew where Melissa was going, and then she knew that she took the guy when she called and told him everything. I don't admit that I would be deeply uh, considering calling the police if my friend told me that they kidnapped somebody. Right. There had to be a really good reason behind that. Right. The fact that she <laughs> didn't do that immediately may like, give her some legal jeopardy. I don't know the law well <laughs> enough to know that, but, but again, the police didn't know that happened, so <laughs> crazy. And so the scene I left out earlier where the the police go to the diner – and they try to interview the boss, like, hey, where is Melissa? We know that, you know, this woman kidnapped a man at gunpoint. Do you know where she got the gun? And the guy's like, oh, no, I could be in trouble for this. He's like, I don't know anything about that. How do they know that he, she kidnapped him at gunpoint? Because I think that's what he said. He, he, he called that He in. told it when he told yeah, the when girlfriend. He, like, this woman pulled a gun on me. She kidnapped me. Like, he was trying to tell got Tracy, it. like, or, or trying to tell his fiance, like, what happened. So I don't know why the proprietor was worried that like oh she used my gun therefore that makes me an accessory like again there's some very weird legal shenanigans going on in this movie is there no camera available in this diner no apparently not i guess <laughs> well, it seems unlikely in a diner <laughs> yeah so back at the cabin melissa accidentally walks in on a shirtless mario shaving after a shower Ooh, and i am wow. here for it he is, i mean mario oof like prime mario prime <laughs> Uh, prime beef Mario. That's great. <laughs> 2007 was a good year for him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's looking hot. And so good to them both, I guess. Uh, they spend an inordinate amount of time just staring at each other. And we cut to <laughs> Melissa getting dolled up, looking also very nice in a nice black dress, not the pink knitted stuff her mother always makes her wear. Mm -hmm. And then Mario comes in looking all swanky. I don't know where he got like a suit to fit him. <laughs> like, where did he get clothes? <laughs> because Jake is a much smaller man. Like Mario's got the broad <laughs> chest and everything, and Jake is a much skinnier man. So he can't just be borrowing Jake's clothes. But he is looking very dapper in a tailored suit. And he invites her outside to the gazebo, and he has her put on her ice skates. And then he starts turning on these lights that he somehow arranged on all the trees <laughs> around the gazebo, like one by one, on different switches. So, like, they go on one by one. That is not how lights work at normal houses. Yeah. And they're like, I don't know how many extension cords he ran around to get all those lights going. <laughs> Melissa is enchanted. And he's like, okay, but you got to do something for me. You got to do that figure skating routine you did for your parents that she told him about. And I'm like, what? Why? Like, and the routine goes very well. She starts skating beautifully, doing jumps and twirls, which is amazing for someone who probably hasn't ice skated since her childhood. <laughs> so yeah, it's not made another hobby of hers that we don't realize she has. And she is skating over like the frozen gravel driveway around the gazebo. Like this is not an ice skating ring. The conditions are probably terrible. Is she actually doing the skating? I mean, I have no idea. I think not because they pull back and you don't really see her face. And she's like in the background in like a soft focus as Mario watches enthralled. Hmm. I was just curious if she had some – Melissa Joan Hart had some ice skating abilities I didn't know about. No, Which is very possible. Not. I don't know that much about Melissa Joan Hart. <laughs> I also uh, missed a scene earlier, which I want to bring up now because, again, I didn't know these would be important, so I left them out. <laughs> 
but apparently they're very important, where her mom is like folding laundry and Melissa goes to talk to her and she's like, I'm so happy for you. And starts going off about how like, you must have slept with lots of guys. Like that's the way of dating these days to have multiple partners. My only ever had one partner, your father, and she's looking very upset about that. So <laughs> that's a conversation they have. Awkward. And so Melissa concludes that her mother is unhappy in her marriage or something. Mm-hmm. So we cut to dinner after the ice skating shenanigans and the mom is like, acting drunk or giddy and like skips her annual toast to just like say like, oh, I don't need the toast let's just dig in everyone's a little bit shocked but Jake declares he has something to share but is cut off immediately by the sister who interrupts her not that she's got something to share she's Are not they both going- gay? no she's not going to <laughs> law school it's not for her she dropped out last semester and she's used the tuition money her parents gave her as a down payment on a Pilates studio in California Ooh. Her father is upset about that, not least of which because he's like a Reagan Republican and is like, California, that liberal place kind of thing. This is the best time to say that you're gay, too, because just throw it like, just get everything out at one well, time. It's about to happen. It's going to happen. <laughs> Excellent. But the mom sort of laughs and the dad is freaking out. He's so angry that like, no, you're going to get that money back and go back to law school. And the mom is very unhappy with the dad and tells him to just lighten up. Then Jake makes his announcement that he's gay. And the mom responds by laughing and goes, oh, honey, I knew. <laughs> and the dad is all like, what is wrong with you? And to the mother, like, why are you acting so strange? And she lets out this tire about all the things she hates about it, like how he moans when he chooses food. And the dad yells back that it's because they all have to live in her world without the tiptoe around her, not to anything that upsets her. And she's like, well, you're just trying to make all the children little versions of yourself. And after there's like big, awkward silence, then the police bust in, guns drawn, <laughs> telling everyone to freeze. <laughs> so they all have it out at that dinner. And then the police bust in. Dramatic. The police say that Melissa is suspected of kidnapping Mario and the truth comes out. Then the grandmother appears with a flintlock pistol, which she got from somewhere, and declares in the best line of the movie, I don't know who brought home the bacon, but I'm gonna fry it up in a pan. (laughs) And I love her. She's the best. (laughs) She's still drunk. Yeah. Oh, absolutely (laughs) drunk. Mario gets up and takes the gun from her and she starts crying onto his shoulder and the mom says, Merry Christmas. (laughs) Cut to the whole family in jail, which is not how that would work because why would the whole family be arrested instead of just Yeah, there's no way. Yeah. Like, (laughs) these people who didn't know what crime was happening, book them all. (laughs) The mom and the dad are cheesed off of Melissa and the mom says, where did I go wrong? Was I not a good mother? So it's still all about them. Then an officer comes in and says, they're free to go. Mario didn't press charges, which... I don't think that's how that works. Again, (laughs) the law is not applied based on if a citizen wants to apply like oh this person murdered you but you don't want to press charges i guess we'd have no case against them or something yeah i mean i think there's some stuff that works a little bit like that but most things those big things do not (laughs) i think like civil offenses might you know if you want to press charge with somebody like smashing your house up or whatever yeah, your loud neighbor or whatever but no but the the stuff like kidnapping and murder those are as the tagline says this is a federal crime which (laughs) is not something you can selectively enforce crazy anyway i find that insane but they all go and for some reason, as everyone leaves, the officer decides to keep the grandmother behind. Uh-huh. Junk tank. It's just drunk tanker. <laughs> I don't know. She's like implies there's something sexy going on, and that is never resolved. We have no idea why that <laughs> happens. There's there's no more to this story. <laughs> there's a lot to that story, Sam. Just off screen. So while Melissa is getting her belongings back from like the officer cage, you know where they have all those stuff stored, the officer sees the engagement ring and says, "Look at that rock girl." 
you hold on to that man, and that's wildly what? inappropriate. <laughs> Such a weird thing to say when you supposedly kidnapped your fiance. Well, she, I'm sure the officer doesn't know the details. She's just giving these things back to this person being released from prison. But you know nothing about the relationship. You don't know <laughs> if she stole the ring. You don't know that a man gave it to her. And you don't know if they have a terrible relationship and she's in prison for murdering her fiance or something. All of those would be a funny thing to say that line to. Yeah, it's absolutely insane and unprofessional. But Melissa just is all wistful over the ring and, and walks outside. So as she leaves the station, Mario is waiting for her. She goes up to him and thanks him for not pressing charges. She gives him the ring back, and Mario starts to say something about the whole situation being very confusing. But then his maybe fiancé again shows up and is all, Who is this? Oh, you're her, to Melissa and gives her the, You'd be all be in jail still if it was up to me. And then Mario and Melissa share a meaningful look. He says, Well, take care of yourself and leaves. Uh-huh. Fade to black. The end. The end. Yeah, the end. <laughs> That's the only way that's going to end. Nah, kid, it's not the end. There's so much more of this movie than yet. It goes on so much longer. <laughs> Why? <laughs> so it cuts to Valentine's Day. Melissa Joan Hart is at the diner talking to Tracy, who's surprised that Melissa doesn't want her job back at the diner, which I guess is an option. She. So what has she been doing for two months? Searching for a job, apparently, and feeling bad and about her lack of prospects. How is she paying for anything? I'm guessing she's taking her parents. No, she's not talking to her parents. I don't know. Maybe she is. She a- couldn't even get another like waitressing job somewhere? I don't know. Maybe she's working at a different place. It's unclear, but she's still job searching. Like she's out of the newspaper open and is looking through the, the wanted mm-hmm. ads. So I don't know. She also laments how she hasn't heard from Mario, which, why would you? You kidnapped him. Yeah, why would you ever think that you're going to? And she says, how could she think she had feelings for someone she kidnapped, which is legitimate. Like, leave him out of this. Then, in a paper she's reading, she comes across an announcement. It's a wedding announcement for Mario, and she is devastated. Oh, no. Cut to Mario and the fiancé planning the wedding, but Mario is not into it. Then why did he propose marriage? I think because he already told her he was going to. <laughs> yeah, but you could also say, I'm you know, rethinking things. I was just kidnapped. <laughs> I think he's... I don't know. Maybe he still loves her. I don't know. <laughs> he says, I think he's just, like, having second thoughts. He's getting cold feet, and he's looking very sadly at those, like, novelty cake toppers that show the bride forcibly dragging the groom away, which uh-huh. is very funny because those cake toppers are terrible. <laughs> yeah, but actually uh, uh, totally appropriate for their uh, wedding. Exactly. This is like the, <laughs> like if, if Mario and Melissa got married, that would be their cake topper for obvious reasons, and it would make sense for once. The only time. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so I also think it's very funny. He's like having big feelings over a joke cake topper. <laughs> So he steps out for some air and is immediately called back inside, and he asks his fiance if she ever has any doubts about them, like, why did she pick him of all the men she could have ever had? And her answer is that they make sense, and we're going to lead a life that most people dream of. Warning, warning. Yeah, and Mari was not pleased with that answer, <laughs> for obvious reasons. Warnings on both sides. I mean, your partner probably shouldn't be asking you that necessarily. Yeah, absolutely. And, like, <laughs> like, during a wedding. <laughs> So we cut to Melissa in her apartment with all her paintings up around her. Like, it's a pretty big apartment, honestly, that like has easels everywhere. Is this the same apartment she was in before? It must be. I don't know how she could afford a different one. So how does she afford this one? Rent control? I, I don't know. Maybe her parents own the building. <laughs> <laughs> so Jake calls her and tells her she needs to stop avoiding her parents and just talk to them. And Melissa's like, no. And she opens a letter and she says she's been accepted into a show at an art gallery in a week. And she asks Jake to come, but not to tell the parents. Mm-hmm. So I guess she has been actively pursuing her art career. That's good. At least one in the last two months. Exactly. I don't know how like much of a kick in the pants kidnapping someone was for her to do that. <laughs> so we cut to the show. Jake has brought Ryan, which is cute. And also, surprise, Jake invited the rest of the family. Of course he did. So Melissa goes up to her parents and starts laying out, like, I don't want to do this. I don't want this to be 
like an evening where you dump on me. I don't want to feel like the black sheep of the family just for one night. And her mom's all, okay, honey, we hear you. We've learned that open lines of communication are essential for a healthy relationship. And they've been going to therapy and trying to work on that communication. Because they have been going to therapy. Yes, finally. <laughs> for them. Someone in our, our media goes to therapy. <laughs> I'm proud of them. Right. Who would have thought it was holiday and handcuffs? <laughs> right? Who would have? This movie, again, I feel like the characters have surprisingly mature like arcs for a movie that is bonkers. <laughs> like that's just so weird that everyone, like all the characters, like oh yes, that character is doing the right thing, but also it's like there's a kidnapping plot that everyone just is okay with the center of this piece. <laughs> it's, it's really a weird dichotomy. Anyway, they have this big conversation. Melissa, your know, mom asks her just to be honest with them. Melissa unloads all her grievances. And her parents accept that and say, you know, we we support you, we worry about you, and we love you, and that's it. And it's very sweet. Later, Melissa is sitting alone looking at the space where her painting was. Someone bought it, and the mom comes over to talk to her, and apparently she's still pining over Mario, and the mom says, silence will eat away at you. It's never too late. And I'm like, yeah, well, you kidnapped him. It was probably too late to reach out to him. Do you think that would ever become funny at family like dinners later? I don't know. Other holidays, it, like five years from now. Remember that year you kidnapped that I, guy? I think possibly, since nobody was actually hurt. Like, nobody was... <laughs> Charges were not pressed, nobody, but like, boy, that would be, like, it feels like you're making fun of her mental breakdown, essentially. You would be deeply embarrassed about that for yeah, a exactly. It's like the kind of thing you're trying to fall asleep and you're like, oh my god, that would why haunt you. did I yeah. do that? <laughs> so, I don't know, maybe with enough time. But Melissa says it is too late, Mario got married today, and that's the reason. Not that, you know... He hasn't reached out and doesn't seem to want anything to do with her because she kidnapped him, but he got married and therefore is off limits. He definitely did not get married. And is, did she also go to therapy out of curiosity? No, absolutely she not. She really should have. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> of all the people. <laughs> so, oh, this ending. Oh, the ending is the is the craziest part of this movie. So you cut to Melissa leaving after the show. She goes to her car and is opening the door when somebody comes up behind her and puts a blindfold over her and like gra- drags her away. Is kidnapping he kidnapping her? her? Yeah. So she recognizes Mario's voice immediately, and he leads her somewhere. He takes the blindfold off. can't decide off. if that's funny or terrifying. Right. It's like, <laughs> she did not know until he heard her voice. She's like, I know karate. He's like, I don't think that's true. It's like, oh, Mario? Is that you? <laughs> and so he takes the blindfold off of her, and there are candles everywhere. He says, he's lost a lot because of her, but he didn't want those things anyway. Everything he wants is right here at Martin Art and Architecture. So his name was Martin, to be clear, like his last <laughs> name. Oh, okay. it's, a, it's a gallery and a studio. He's like doing, he's opening an architecture slash art gallery firm, which sure. sure. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe she could go into decorating. I don't, I, I don't know why those two things need to be combined, but he's doing it. And he already acquired their first piece. It was her painting. Melissa is bowled over. They kiss. And then Melissa I think says, I'd be disappointed that my first piece was actually bought by somebody I knew. Yeah, it was like a pity buy or something. <laughs> yeah. But she's extremely touched. And they kiss. And Melissa says, Can you take these off of me now? And she holds up her wrists, which have the red fuzzy handcuffs on them. Of course. But Mario does not take them off of her. She just wraps them around. He like puts her arms over his head, like pulls them in. And the camera pulls back as they kiss more. And then she narrates. You forgot you narrated, didn't you? Well, it's back. I did. Yeah. This is also a really big gesture for somebody you spent three days with and didn't like for 80% I'm opening a business with you and like dependent on you, like a whole business partnership. And we're like madly in love now. Right. Yeah, no, crazy. And she narrates about how there's no such thing as a perfect life, but there is such thing as a perfect moment, and that doing one crazy thing actually does make you crazy. She was wrong, but it can also make you happy. The end. For real. Sure. <laughs> right? What a movie. 
God, that's such a huge gesture for somebody you barely know. Like, I, here's the thing I think. I think all the emotional arcs for the characters are totally plausible, uh-huh. surprisingly, for like a rom-com like this. <laughs> like, her parents having a troubled marriage and pressuring their kids and their kids finally like, coming to a breaking point and pushing back and doing their own things. Absolutely. And the parents having to go into therapy and realize they haven't been communicating very well and coming around. And Melissa realizing that, like, she deserves better and needs to stop trying to please her parents and cutting them off out of her life for like six months or whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All very like, oh, healthy, make sense, emotional arcs. But everyone's like behavior in the movie, her kidnapping Mario or Mario dumping his fiance to like be with her for three days, the family all going along with this kidnapping plan for days on end. None of that makes any sense. It's so weird. I never felt like the characters' emotions made more sense and that their actions made less sense. Yeah, you, you, he could have just showed up and been like, hey, let's go on a date. I'd like to, like it to get you know you outside of kidnapping. <laughs> right. But no, he kidnaps her and insists like, this is it. We're now soul bonded or whatever. <laughs> We're starting a business together, even yeah, though we have no presumably. idea if we yeah. could actually do that together. He doesn't even know, does she still like him? Like, she never expresses any feelings for him. Like, yeah, they have a moment to connect, but they never have like how, and they kiss him in the mistletoe. But they never have like an actual like emotional conversation. That happens a lot in movies. Yeah. Or does she even want to open up a gallery? Maybe she doesn't want to own her own gallery. Maybe right. she wants to create art in a or sell art in a different way. Right. Absolutely bonkers. Like, again, makes no sense. Wow. And everyone's just sort of cool with a kidnapping. Like, imagine, like, your kid asks, how did you meet? Or whatever, you know? <laughs> You're like, funny story. Well, I had a mental breakdown. I kidnapped your father <laughs> at gunpoint, and then he had Stockholm Syndrome or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Holiday in handcuffs, everybody. That's holiday in handcuffs. So what a way to end our winter bazaar this year, Danielle. (laughs) It didn't make me not want to watch it. (laughs) It wasn't a Hallmark movie. It had like more edge to it than like a Hallmark movie. It was willing to have things like gay characters be openly gay in 2007 without it being a problem like or a Mm -hmm. joke or anything like that. Like Jake was not a punchline, which I appreciated. So that was great. I think like it was a more progressive movie than what a Hallmark even today still seems capable of doing. So I actually enjoyed it quite a bit more than most Hallmark fare, really. Well, it's good. I'm glad you chose it. And like I said, I find the characters really, the actors really charming. But boy, the moment you think about this movie for more than two seconds, it makes no sense. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a fun ride and you know, not a bad way to kill 90 minutes. So there you go. Excellent. What good choices we had for this this winter bazaar. Well, if you out there have a method you would use to escape from the situation that Mario did not use in this movie, like how would you do your grand escape? You can write us your plans at bookretorts.com. You can also tweet Instagram or Facebook us at bookretorts. And if you have other suggestions for Sam for Melissa Joan Hart movies yeah. as an adult that you think he would enjoy, you should send those his way. 100%. Absolutely. And if you want to support me starting my own... <laughs> business of kidnapping fiancés like a kidnap based dating service where like you kidnap two people and and see how they get along (laughs) it's apparently it's fine because if they fall in love they're not going to press charges anyway perfect so i think this is a great plan if you want to like you know basically what is it going to work if someone's going to come to you say i want to kidnap this person if they fall in love me you're like okay i can arrange that for you there's no way this could possibly go wrong you can fund that at patreon.com slash book retorts sure why not it's not the weirdest thing we've gotten funding for (laughs) probably the one that'll get us in the most legal trouble though entirely possible (laughs) (laughs) well until next time bye you take care everybody
I think that was a very successful uh, switcheroo. Like, we both just movies the other person didn't hate. That's true. I mean, that's good. I don't think we hated the last ones we did either, really. I think you kind of hated Space Pirates. Ice Pirates, I mean. I didn't hate it. I just... It's not exactly <laughs> my kind of thing, but I did not hate it. It's like an apple of a movie. <laughs> oh, okay. That's going to make no sense to anyone who didn't hear your rage about apples earlier. <laughs> well, this is post-recording. It doesn't matter. You can put it in there. You don't have to. 